0: don't build themselves. What's up, Dream Masons? I hope every one of you out there is having a great week dreaming, creating, and hustling to build the lives you want. Today on the Dream Mason podcast, I sit down with Claire Hazel. Claire is an education advocate, has a master's in public art from my alma mater, USC, Fight On. Together with her husband, David, They have created the David L. Hoyt Education Foundation because they recognize an increasing need for social, emotional learning in young people, and they knew they had a way to make learning fun. So in today's podcast, we talk about the David L. Hoyt Foundation, we talk about what she does as the director of that foundation, and what her huge visions and goals are in changing education globally. But we also get into the dream that Claire created in January of 2017, where she became a mountaineer. Because she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, that is an almost 20,000-foot peak. For Claire to accomplish that feat, she had to overcome huge challenges, lifestyle challenges, health challenges, and she had to make changes in her life to set her up for success. I hope you create some value for yourself in listening to this podcast. Now let's go meet a Dream Mason. Hey, Claire, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you, Alex?
0: I am good. I don't know if you can hear the wind and the wind chimes, but I'm actually recording this episode of the Dream Mason podcast from outside. So,
1: sunny oh, you're California. so lucky. <laughs> sunny California. I wish I was in sunny California right now. I'm in windy Chicago, which is very windy today. You might actually hear my windows blowing in and out. <laughs> I'm in winter. I'm in January. You, I don't know what you are. It's not January there ever. Let, I, I
0: would love to hear you, from your own words you share with our listeners, like who you are and what do you currently do?
1: Sure. Um, so I am a, let's see, I'm a cultural lover. I'm an education advocate. I work as a executive director for a foundation that my husband and I founded a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm a dog mom. I've got a great little Karen Terrier. That's a lot of fun. Um, What else can I tell you? Mm, I'm t- a mountain climber.
0: We're gonna, <laughs> That's yeah. what we're talking about today. Yeah, we're um, going to tell me about the foundation.
1: Yeah. So the David Elway Education Foundation. We founded it in 2015 um, with a goal to help. Um, support play-based and collaborative learning. Uh, So we have a couple of different things that we do um, as far as programming and projects. And we have a giant game that we play with kids to help them learn to read and help them practice their math, but also learn how to be good teammates and good leaders and listeners um, and hopefully help them develop strategy skills and things like that to help them through life and get ready to be adults. So that's what that's what we do nice.
0: here at the David Bell Hoyt Education Foundation. Nice. And and we talked about trying to get David on here in the future. And so we can we can save that conversation because I know it's super interesting and what you guys are doing is is really uh powerful work and me I know me and David have talked about that in the past. I want to go back to why you're on here, which is completely yeah. different. And but I love that you shared your background cuz what's Cool about your story, and when you brought it to me, and we started talking about it, is I have to, you know, and for the most part, you are you're a regular person. I mean, we're all regular people, but you you said I'm a mountain climber, but you're not like a mountain climber, like a professional mountain climber. No, I'm not. A- but you did this amazing thing. What did you do?
1: So um, a year ago, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and um, I guess that technically makes me a mountaineer now that I've climbed a nineteen thousand and six hundred and forty-one foot mountain. Um, and yeah, it was quite the process. I started the journey about eight months prior to that. Um, just kind of getting my body and my mind ready for the climb. Um, but before that it probably was a year before that, that I decided that I wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro having never climbed a mountain before. Um, my husband and I were in Tanzania as part of the work that we do with the giant games I was talking about. And on our way back um, to Chicago, we drove to the airport and we could see Mount Kilimanjaro um, from the car, from the highway. And it just kind of called to me. I felt, I, I like truly felt the mountain say, Claire, come climb me. So <laughs> I um, decided right I, then I and there have, that I, I would. always
0: have mountains say that to me all the time. <laughs>
1: I don't know if it's sing-songed it quite like that, but I really, truly felt like I'm supposed to do this. This is part of my journey. I need to figure out how I'm going to get here, get back here so that I can do that. And um, it took probably about maybe eight months or so after that, that I decided, like, I started thinking about it and doing a little bit of research or a little more research into it. Um, And, really started training to do it and planning the trip to actually go and do it
0: so so i want to just re-clarify so you've climbed mount kilimanjaro you're not a mountain climber this is not something you've done in the past or done you just decided hey i have this thing that i decided i want to do which became a vision or a dream yeah. and how tall is mount kilimanjaro uh, it's
1: 19,641 feet <laughs> Awesome, <laughs> and um, it's funny because when you're on Mount Kilimanjaro, you have no hot idea how high you are. Coming from someone who uses feet and not meters, so I can tell you that it is also um, five thousand eight hundred ninety-five meters. Is the
0: height? Which is if somebody is was like, if for all those hikers that are listening, how many like miles of a hike is this?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. I don't really remember because everything was in kilometers and not miles. <laughs> But, um, I, it took eight days to climb the mountain and climb back down. So it was like six and a half up and then one and a half down. And we were probably climbing for, I would say six, seven hours a day, um, sometimes longer.
0: Okay. So I've been on one, I think six, eight hour hike in my entire life in Colorado. And I think that we went on, that was like a 12 mile hike. So, yeah,
1: I would say totally probably close to, like, 10 miles a day, like, on average that you're climbing. The last day that you climb, it's quite a long journey because you start at midnight and—or not the last day, the second-to-last day. This is the day that you, you reach the peak is the second-to-last day. So you start at midnight that day, and you climb all through the night to the peak— You get to the top kind of at sunrise, which is amazing and emotional and quite the experience. And um, then you have to climb back down the mountain after. And then once you get down back to where you started from that day at midnight, you eat lunch and then you have to climb four more hours down. So that day total hours, I think, is like something like 14 hours of walking down and up and down a mountain.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> i like, like Iris. So when I, the only thing I can compare this to because like I've never climbed a mountain. I've I'm not even. I haven't even hiked very much. But I know that the way back was so much worse than the way up. Like the way up was exciting. We had this place we were going to, and then when we got there and we enjoyed the lake that we found, then it was like okay, now it's time to go back to the car, and the car was just not as motivating to get back. To- <laughs>
1: Well, when you're on an eight-day hike, the motivation is the shower and the beer at the bottom. (laughs) But you can't start thinking about that while you're on your way up. You can only start thinking about that on the way down. So when you're thinking you're going up, you're thinking, okay, i got to reach my goal of climbing to the top. And then when you're on your way down, you're just like, shower, beer, shower, beer, shower, beer.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good to know that that's what mountain climbers are in their head is showing up here. Well,
1: maybe mountain climbers <laughs> from Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> what is, um... okay, so I love this because it's, what, what what I loved about your story when you told me you wanted to do this podcast was the idea that you, this is not something that you do. This is not like, hey, I'm a mountain climber and I have this thing and I just want to tell you about how I climb mountains, which is obviously worthy of uh, talking about, but yes, this is not sure. what you do. So this is a perfect example of somebody who has a vision, has a dream that for a lot of people would say, Hey, I want to go to mountain Kilimanjaro or any mountain. And then they would decide, I can't, I'm not good enough. This is too hard. There's too much training or all the, all the reasons why it's either to not get started or that they can't. How did that go for sure. you?
1: Well, I can tell you that from the start, like Well, I should rewind before I was deciding to go to Mount Kilimanjaro is that I grew up um, from the age 15 on with a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Um, And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's basically um, a lot of inflammation and nerve pain that happens in the body. And that can be in your gut. It can be in your tissue. It can, you know, it can be all over anywhere in the body and it just makes you very fatigued and not don't have a lot of energy or a lot of oomph to get up and climb a mountain or to get up and get dressed even so I for me to even have the thought hey I'm going to climb this mountain was a really big deal um, because I had never done anything like this before Uh, but I can say that when I was in high school I was on the swim team and my second year on the swim team or no my first year on the swim team I was voted um, most improved swimmer, and I think that that helped me, like, keep a little confidence that I knew that I could start something and be the most improved um, physically as a, with a physical endeavor, um, so I think that that kind of helped me realize, it gave me the, the foundation to know that I was capable of doing it, even if I didn't maybe feel well. Um, and then the probably the some no the probably three months after um, I saw Mount Kilimanjaro for the first time, I really started to take a look at my health and um, what I was eating, what I was putting in my body, and how I was feeling, and how everything I was eating made me feel. I did an elimination diet that really, truly, I think saved my life. What is, um, what is an elim- of- What is
0: an elimination diet?
1: Um, So I had a blood test done that told me all of the different foods I was eating that was making um, like antibodies be produced within my bloodstream. So basically saying that I had food sensitivities to all these different food items. Um, So they take your blood and they do a test in a lab and then they give you results and you have a list of foods that you have to stop eating for a certain amount of time so that you can heal your gut. And not have like physical pain like heartburn or um, inflammation and things like that. So I started to really pay attention to that sort of thing and tried to lose some weight. I was kind of overweight at that point. And um, then it was about maybe six months after that when I started to really feel better that I was like, hey, you know what, I've been losing weight I'm in shape. I'm eating well. I'm healthy. This is the perfect time to climb this mountain. And I decided, I talked to my husband about it, and I said, I want to do this. And I said, I'm really interested in just doing this by myself also. I love you, but um, this is something that I need to do for me and to find out if I can do this. Um, And he's very supportive, and he was very excited for me and agreed that this is something that I should do. Um, and so we did a little bit of research and found a great climbing company and booked the ticket and booked the, um, the climb. And it was, it was looming over me after that for about eight months or so while I trained.
0: I would love to hear the, what was actually in your head and, and I hope, I don't know if you're comfortable like talking about this, but. You know, we have like you talked about the physical limitations and that kind of what helped you was that belief that you can improve from high school. But what were like the voices in your head? You know, that that nagging voice that speaks to us and tells us who we are, who we're not, what we can and can't do. What was that voice telling you when you were either getting ready to sign up for this or in the process of the training?
1: Um, it was telling me you paid all this money, you're investing all this time you have to give it your all you have to keep pushing you have to keep going and does this really hurt no this doesn't really hurt it's difficult but is it painful no it's not painful that's okay. I can keep pushing just because it's difficult. You know, I have a, um, I did hire a trainer at my gym that I go to and she was very instrumental in helping me like gain confidence in myself and my abilities. Um, and just helping me once you're doing an exercise, right in the right way, and you know how your body's supposed to feel while you're doing it. Then the next time you do it, it's easier and it doesn't hurt as much, later on if you're doing something correctly so that was really helpful for me um she does a 30 minute hit class on friday nights if you're ever in chicago and want to try it out um <laughs> it's at the lincoln square athletic club it's really tough um five o'clock five fifteen, something like that and that 30 minute hit class was instrumental in my training because i the first time i went to that i was like oh my god i'm never going to climb a mountain but I went back the next week and I did it again and it got easier and easier and easier. And by the time that I was ready to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, that class was so easy that I was like whipping through it. No problem. Yeah. I swept my butt off for sure, but it wasn't as difficult as it was that first time. And when I was on the mountain and I talked to my climbing um, buddies that I was with um, and they would ask me, how did you train for this? I was like, Lisa's 30 minute hit class is what really helped with this because if you can make it through 30 minutes of hell you can make it through eight days of a very slow climb up a mountain
0: (laughs) Uh, the logic there doesn't land fully for me 30 minutes (laughs) Uh, but you know what you know what I hear like so I do um I used to do yoga just like regular vinyasa flow and I loved it the mind body and then in the last year or two, I started doing hot yoga. And when I say hot yoga, I'm doing 100 degree rooms with about 50% humidity pumped in the room. And it's rare that I take a class that, like one of the harder classes, that I don't actually have to sit down or stop at some point. And what I remind myself is like, that's actually just being kind to myself. Like you probably during up that mountain had to stop at points to catch your breath, to get water, to take care of yourself, whatever. And sure. the ability to generate yourself, to keep going. So whether it be in the hit class or up the mountain, that idea that you can go, this is really hard. And I need to stop for a minute, but I can regenerate the energy to move forward again. It's pretty amazing. Cause you can put that into any area of your life now. So right. You did this thing. Now, how is this, how is, I'm, we're going to come back to it. We're not going to leave the mountain journey, but how sure. is this accomplishment, training for this actually helped you in the rest of your life?
1: Um, it has helped me completely because when we founded the foundation in 2015, I wasn't working full time as the director at that point because we weren't really sure what we were doing with everything and. And um, we didn't have a clear vision for it. And then when I came back from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, we had set up an office while I was gone and we were hiring someone and it came in and all of a sudden I had to be this leader, this person that says, Hey, we're going to do this. And this is how we're going to get there. And like, let's sit down and plan it out. And here are the steps. And this mountain climb right before I've done all this career stuff has been so instrumental in guiding those same principles, like let's make a list, let's cross things off. Let's, you know, this might be hard or uncomfortable, but it's going to get us to where we need to be um, later on. And just, you know, just the idea of setting a goal is um, really important. And I think that whether it's a personal goal or a career goal or anything like that, and, and, unless you've really achieved something spectacular um, you might not have the confidence that you might achieve those small goals on the way to that bigger thing. And I definitely have that confidence now. And I know that I can, if I put my mind to it and I put the energy into it and I plan for it and I'm prepared that I'm going to be able to accomplish the task and just that knowledge and that confidence in myself is, it's, I don't, I can't even put into
0: words how valuable that is for me. I love that. Thanks for, that's, man, mean, it's such a cool lesson for, for all of us. And when we, we don't realize that like, we don't realize that we do things in one area of our life very successfully and that er, the things that it took us to do in that area, we can actually translate to other areas you know, the hard work that it took you to climb that mountain and the dedication and the commitment and the training and the being, the being willing to be uncomfortable is, yeah. is such a powerful thing. And now there's, there's going to be, whether it be now in your life or you have a long life ahead of you, there's going to be a million things that come up where you get to, if you choose to, how do I attach that, those lessons I learned and those experiences to these new challenges? And obviously there'll be new things you need to learn and you'll get tested at some point where this strategy won't work anymore but it's really going to take you to a whole new place.
1: Yeah, and then one other thing that I would mention is that one thing I learned on the mountain or even just during the training was just to try to be present in the task that's happening now or the experience that's happening now. And one thing that's really, really refreshing in this day and age when you go to Mount Kilimanjaro is there's no cell phones. So there's no cell towers. You can't call home. You can't check your Instagram. Like you can't send an email. There's no emergencies because you're just there and you're climbing the mountain. And it's you and this thing that you're doing and this the nature around you and conversations that you're having with people who are doing the same thing you're doing and learning about them and their lives and what makes their lives special as well. And it's just so important i think for us to learn how to be present in what we're doing and not look even though we have that goal and like yeah we ought to get to the top of the mountain for sure that's our goal but be present in what you're doing then and at that moment because if you overlook that you might not be able to appreciate the whole journey and i i think that's a huge lesson um that i could help people learn in some way
0: Where are you incorporating that into your life now, that, that being present lesson?
1: Um, I try to be present when I'm with friends and family. It's harder when I'm at work to kind of be present with those things, but I I really try to like put the cell phone down or if someone's talking or I'm at dinner with friends, like I'm not checking things, um you know, I wish later maybe that I would have taken a picture or that sort of thing, but I have that memory and that's important as well. Um, just trying to make time for relationships as, as well. When I was training for Kilimanjaro, um, you know, I was really into it and I didn't spend a lot of time with people cause I was really just, pushing myself towards that goal. And that was my number one priority. And, uh, you know, I think now um, I'm hoping and trying to, you know, maintain my relationships a little bit better.
0: How did the, what was the biggest challenge? You know, I know you said, David, your husband supported you. What was the biggest challenge in your relationship through this process?
1: Um, oh man, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, ah. (laughs) I don't think there was any challenges in that relationship necessarily. I've had other challenges with friendships and that sort of thing, like I mentioned, not being able to, you know, have the time or make the time. But um, David and I are pretty, like, in tune with one another and give each other a lot of space um he maybe would say that he had challenges while I was working out so much and training um but I don't feel like i I would say I had any like true challenges in, in the in the relationship with David
0: does okay so does it um you know I'm thinking about when we when we do things or we accomplish things when we create goals when we start manifesting our life when we do anything that kind of goes against the grain of, of where people are at. You know, there's there's a lot of people that would have said, hey, you have fibromyalgia, you can't do this, or like you've never climbed a mountain or whatever people might have said to you and you can yeah. share some of that if you want. Um, sometimes I think it's tough like to maintain the same relationships. You know, if we if we start becoming a more positive person and all the people that we surround ourselves with are not positive or they view themselves as realistic, it's hard to keep having those friendships and relationships. How did you, how does that, play into this story for you
1: um i i didn't i don't want to go into um the whole politics of our culture right now but i would say that it kind of um maybe plays into that just a bit um uh, i don't know if i want to go into all that on here but i would say that um having um you know this really great year where I've reached all these goals and had all these accomplishments has been difficult in the political sphere that we're in, because I know that a lot of people are going through a lot of horrible crap right now. And it's hard. It's maybe hard for me to feel like that those positive things are, um, that I should be as happy as I am about them.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Um, I think well, that. Let me, let me jump in. Cause I, I don't, I, sure. I'm actually, I wasn't looking like politically, like I'm not, I don't want to have a political podcast and, and <laughs> when, I bring, when I bring somebody who is poli- has a political dream on, then I'm super fired up to get into that, but that's not what this is about. So we don't yeah. need to, what I was more thinking is, you know, when I, when I took on my life and I started changing my life and redirecting who I really was, and like doing the inner the inner soul searching work and trying to be the person that I knew I really was, but a lot of that is searching right like i didn 't know I had always been this one version of myself, and I was trying to bring out this other version, and part of that was me being very positive and looking for opportunities and What I noticed in that journey was there were a lot of people that couldn 't be with that they didn 't like that I was changing they didn 't like that. I was being positive. They liked Alex that was a pessimist or realist or said I want to say like dickheaded things at times and people didn't always support. I'm lucky that I had a family that super supported my growth and where I wanted to go and believed in all the things in me quitting my job and and taking on my my own practice. But there were a lot of people, friends and whatnot who had a lot of trouble with the changes. And I don't think that's just a personal thing. I think In you taking on climbing a mountain, there had to be someone around you who wanted to do something who was actually confronted personally by like, wow, she's doing this thing and I'm still not doing the thing I want to do. Or they're projecting their fears or their worries or their stuff onto you. Do you you know what I'm talking about?
1: Have been a little bit of that, but no one ever openly said anything to me. Um, I did have a couple of family members that were quite surprised that I was climbing a mountain, and i I feel like I heard at one point or another, maybe a few times, oh, well, if Claire could climb a mountain, then anybody could do it. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and you know that doesn't make you feel great about yourself, but I guess um, you know, you have more of a you have more desire to actually reach your goal so that you can rub it in their face later on. Yeah. I climbed that mountain and screw you for thinking that I wasn't going to be able to do it, that kind of thing. Um, But I don't, I mean, there, there has been a couple of relationships that I have that I know that are, that have been a little bit trying recently in the past couple years, and I don't—I'm not sure if that is because of this thing that I did and that I did change, and that I—I I have these other interests now. But I don't—I couldn't, you know, decisively say one way or the other that I could chalk it up to the fact that I was had kind of changed who I was and what I was doing. Um, I will say that my friends don't really enjoy going out to eat with me anymore because I do have a lot of dietary restrictions, so I'm a little bit more picky um, with things just because I know what you know makes me feel good and what makes me not feel good. And those can be things like you know avocado or kale or grapes, things that are healthy and that people think you should be able to eat um but my body doesn't do well with those things so i have to say no wine for me or i'm sorry i can't i don't want to order the guacamole or you know that sort of thing so that part has been maybe a, a little bit of a difficult thing but just personality wise or that's you know i don't think i really encountered that or if i did no one said it to my face <laughs> i don't
0: actually th- i think what you just described with food is actually the exact same thing it's just the simple thing right like if you don't drink, let's just say you don't drink at all, and I do, there's a lot of people that would have like they would have an issue with it. Well, I don't want to hang out with Claire because she doesn't drink, and it's like, what does it matter to me? Like, why can't I have my drink and you have your whatever? Yeah. And I think someone like that with food, you know, they 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 it annoys them when other people have like food things. And, you know, I would, I might be upset if you made me. If you made me eat your diet, like if I didn't have a choice, like I had to eat Claire's diet. I have no say in this matter. Yeah, I'd probably be pretty upset. But why do I care if you don't want avocado on your dish? But I think that's a small, common version of the same thing. People just mapping their stuff onto others. Um, I want to hear about what's next for you. Because you had this dream and this vision, and then you did it. (laughs) what is the <laughs> what's the big goal with the foundation what's like the big scary thing that you guys are trying to tackle
1: uh, well, well we believe that the game that we have giant wordwinder and giant math finder um, should be in every school and library in this country and maybe even in the world so the goal for the foundation is to um, find funding to begin buying games and putting them in schools and libraries and funding programming that schools and libraries can be a part of. Um, right now we're working on um, developing an online community portal so that schools who have giant word winders can talk to other schools and play with other schools virtually online. Um, so that's a, a big goal of ours right now is to get some kind of tournament or interactive play Um through the
0: through an online portal happening. That's pretty, I mean, to get, I know Giant Wordwinder and um, anyone that doesn't, that's listening to this that doesn't know it, you know, it's, it's definitely something you should look up because it's, it's a very cool concept. It. Me and David have talked a lot about things can only change through recognizing our limitations, but also through education. And I know mm-hmm. you guys are super committed to that. So the idea of having a giant word winder in every single school and every single lot. That's a pretty big goal. It's a huge goal. But it's
1: a giant game, and I do giant things like (laughs) climb mountains. And one of the things that we did this past summer with the foundation is we stenciled a 600-foot word search on a sidewalk in our neighborhood. I mean, we're not doing tiny things. David and I have big goals and big dreams. And part of that is just that we want to see um, young people be smart and succeed. Um, there's a lot of, lot of help that needs to happen with the educational system in the United States. Um, it's not where it needs to be. We're falling behind. Uh, There's kids who don't know how to write a complete sentence, who don't know how to spell words correctly, who cannot write, um, who can only type or text. You know, my nephew who's 11 doesn't know how to tie his shoes yet. Like, that's ridiculous to me. (laughs) Something is not, you know, something, we're not spending enough time with our children. I'm not sure if it's technology and we're just relying on the fact that the internet's there to teach them i'm doing air quotes you can't see me um but it's not there to teach them and we receive so much information that we have to start being able to source that information and find out what's actual facts and what's not and that's a big problem right now um i think everyone can agree with that and I just think that it's so important for kids to be able to talk to each other and to be able to communicate also Um, and being able to play this game. And from our perspective, we see kids talk to each other and tell each other not only what they want to do, but why they want to do it. And to be able to explain why you want to do something or the reasoning behind it is really important. And kids need those skills in order to be successful adults.
0: What do you guys see as, aside from the money, because that's kind of, look, that's the biggest thing you've mentioned. What's the biggest roadblock for this vision that you guys have outside of money?
1: Oh, man. Nothing. I can't think of anything. We have so many ideas. We have so many parking lots of ideas that we want to be doing. And if we had unlimited funds, we could do so many amazing things. Um Yeah, I don't think there are roadblocks. I mean, maybe policy within education is something that we'll start dealing with as we do receive funding and aren't finding as many roadblocks and start trying to um, affect policy change. That would be amazing if we could do that. So
0: so you, David's been, you know, you, I should say both of you, because, you know, I know, I just have known David for a long time. So I know a lot more about the, his life. But sure. you guys have both been successful in different fields, and in you know you in different areas of your life. Money is something that impacts everybody everywhere, right? Whether I want to, whatever business I want to start, whether it's a foundation or a for-profit business, uh, I should say a nonprofit versus a for-profit business, it's going to require almost almost always it's going to require some money to get started. So, how do you guys take on this challenge? Because even you guys are struggling in a way. I don't know what I mean struggling in like in a bad way, but you're not getting all the funding you need because you're still in the process. How do you guys deal with that?
1: Um, we do what we can. And, you know, we do a lot of things for free out of the goodness of our heart. I was, I've been doing free programming free programming and, um, CPS now for a couple of weeks and we're extending it into, into March, um, where we're just, you know, these schools need these programs, these kids need, you know, fun and exciting ways to learn in their classrooms. So we're going to schools and we're playing with kids for, you know, two hours at a pop out of our day and once or twice a week, um, really trying to, you know, get our name out there and our program name out there, but also just trying to give these kids something fun and exciting and also valuable for
0: them um to do so um so you're not not letting it stop you you're what i hear is that like what i hear you guys doing is you're putting one foot in front of the other in a really in a way that you can which is you know you there's an obstacle there's a challenge a circumstance whatever we want to label it which is hey we don't have the funding to do this thing that we want to do which is just the, the black and white fact And then, so what do we do have control over? Well, we can do it for free. We can get our name out there. We can build. I think that's so powerful of a lesson. And I don't know if people realize that because we all have this dream or this thing that we want to do. And yet it's often money, time, or circumstance, uh, sorry, money, time, or commitment that get in the way of us and the things we want. And so many of us would just stop, right? Hey, I want to open up this store and I don't have money or I want to start a business and I don't have the money or I want to do this and I don't have the time. And time is a resource, right? Just like money. And the the thing that I hear you guys doing is, Hey, you don't have the thing that you need and you're not going to let it stop you. And that in itself is pretty incredible because you're just powerfully like, Hey, let's do what we can keep moving forward. And I, I believe that it's about faith. Like, and I don't want you to speak to this. And when I say faith, it's faith and trust in you guys, that you guys know that if you keep going after what you want, it will actually work out.
1: Yeah. And I actually, you know, you say one foot in front of the other, and that's a perfect mountain climbing analogy because it literally, you know, taught me just to put one foot in front of the other. And just keep going because you'll get there. You just have to keep trying. You have to have faith. You, you have to know that if you just keep going, that you'll get there. And there's if you a- don't, what you know, will it be the end of the world? No, because you know you're gonna. You've tried your hardest to get there.
0: I, there's a um, there's a psychologist. I think I don't know if she's a psychologist or a therapist. So maybe she'll write in or call in or whatever she'll do to correct me if I mess this up. But her name is uh, Susan Jeffers. And she wrote a book, which I'm blanking on the name, but if you look up Susan Jeffers, and it's a book about fear, and she talks about that the, ultimately the, the reason that any of us are afraid of anything is the belief that at the very bottom, right? So we might be afraid that we're going to get hurt or we might be afraid that someone will leave us. That's actually the fear that we recognize. But underneath that fear, there's a fear that we won't be okay when the thing happens. So if we leave the marriage or we uh, jump out of the plane, which is, that's a bad example. If we leave the marriage, if we start the business, if we climb up the mountain, if we try to start this fundraising thing or whatever it is, and if we fail, there's a the the fear that stops us is a belief that hey, we won't be okay. And what I hear you saying is, we actually know that we can play all out because at the end of the day, even if we fall flat on our faces, we'll still yeah. be okay, and we can get up and try again or try something else.
1: Yeah, and I think that that um, thing that I was talking about being present in what you're doing really adds to that. You know, feeling feeling the fear, being present in what you're feeling and what you're experiencing will help you to know later on that you, you know, what the journey was all about. So even if you don't accomplish that goal, which, you know, there was a team member that we had that really just didn't want to push it the last 40 minutes of the climb to get to the top, but she did it. She pushed through and she got there anyway. And she now, when she talks about it, she's so grateful that she was able to push through that fear. Like, And when we got down and had lunch, she was having almost like an asthmatic attack because she had just started coughing and couldn't stop coughing and then she was afraid that something was wrong with her and that she shouldn't have done it, but nothing was wrong with her. She was just tired. (laughs) You know, she had climbed a mountain. So I think that there's you just have to you have to be okay with being uncomfortable and knowing that uncomfortableness doesn't always equal pain. And if, if there is pain, then feeling that pain is also part of being human and important as well.
0: What's going to – you – sorry, I'm, I'm like really – I have a question at the tip of my tongue, and I'm trying to actually connect with how to phrase it. There's, you, sure. did this, you did this thing that is that some people would have been really afraid to do. Some people would have been fear of, hey, the oxygen levels or like, I can't.
1: Because yeah, I mean, I- people die doing it. Mm-hmm. Like when I, before I went, I was afraid. I was afraid on that plane when it landed in Tanzania. I was I was shaking. I was so like, there was so much anxiety and fear and excitement that was building. And yeah, you, people die. It's something to fear for sure. But you you have to know that you, you know, if you did die, that you were dying doing something you really, really, really wanted to do. (laughs) Well,
0: how do you... Yeah, so how do you deal with fear? You're still afraid of things. Like, fear doesn't go away. That's... It's part of who we are as human beings. You know, if we're... I believe that fearlessness is doing things in spite of fear, not actually not having fear. How do you... What are you still afraid of?
1: Uh, Um... I I'm afraid of this is probably one of the things that pushed me to do this now is I'm afraid of losing my eyesight because I have really poor eyesight and I could, you know, snap my cornea at any point in time or not my cornea, my retina. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> so I, 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 you know, I don't think about it often, but you know, when I do I, I feel that fear of that happening. And I don't know if that's a, you know, it's kind of a fear of like that it's, not really logical and that I don't need to really be afraid of that happening. Cause there's lots of things that I can get done, you know, if it does happen and there's options and I won't be dead and I, you know, it would be okay. I would live through it. I could get through that happening, but I, I have that fear sometimes. Um, um, I also have the fear that, you know, people that I love might be, um, in harm's way sometimes I you know I'm fearful for them and for their situations I think we we feel that way sometimes um I don't know I don't really live in fear you know I feel it and let it go well
0: clearly because (laughs) I mean you you what you did with climbing the mountain is is one but what you guys are doing with the the schools and Um, Look, you're taking on, one might argue that taking on education is a vastly steeper mountain than uh, Mount Kilimanjaro.
1: Yeah, you know, and as you're saying that, I guess I'm fearful that we won't be able to make a difference, um, even though we're trying so hard, or that everyone that is trying so hard right now won't be able to make a difference in the education system in the U.S., and that we'll just you know, keep going down this path that we're on, um, trying to just really pull ourselves up every day um, to try to make it work. And when it's not working, um, you know, David gives a really good analogy sometimes of a freight train that's going 90 miles an hour, and maybe it loses two of the front wheels, and then maybe it loses six of the back wheels, and it's going like 60 miles an hour. And then, something else happens to it and it's going 40 miles an hour, but because the train is still moving forward, no one is that concerned with what's happened to the train. And I feel like that analogy can be, you know, put to use in so many different ways, but it's really good for the education system right now because there's so many things that don't work. And there's a real fear that, that it, it, you know, it's going to be bad and it's going to be bad for children wh- who are growing up right now. And, that's not their fault. And I think that's a big motivator for what we're doing, um, and why we're doing it.
0: I'm I'm super happy right now that David's not a train conductor. Like I'm like <laughs> very, very grateful. Because I think yes. that any train conductor who hears this is gonna go, wait a minute, if the wheels are coming off the train, we got really big problems. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe the train conductor knows that it's happening, right? But no one that's riding that train really knows what's going on. As long as that train's going forward and they're going to get to their destination, yeah. you know, how long it takes them to get for, get there and the effort that takes them to get there could be much more than it needed to be if they had just stopped and fixed the situation. And then that train could go 90 miles an hour again.
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's a really cool point because I think that there's actually... Someone could we could argue that both ways, right? Like, hey, it would actually be better to stop, clean yourself up, and then keep going. But I think what's interesting about it is it's just a both, what it's it's a both and in the sense of you can keep going that way. And it's also super important. It's kind of like the mountain climbing hot yoga to recognize when we actually do need to stop and respect our, our limits, whatever they are, so we can keep going forward. It I really, I really see it as like a both and conversation. We don't want to completely stop and turn around and go backwards or just get stagnant, but there's times right. to powerfully go forward, even when the, the wheels are falling off the train and there's times to powerfully pause, clean the train up and then resume powerfully going forward. So it's cool right. that you guys see it in one dimension for what you guys need to do.
1: Yeah. And I can tell you that like, as far as like my climb goes and relating that analogy to that um, you know, if I had not, done the elimination diet and taken care of where my gut was at and how that was affecting my whole entire life, you know, I would not have ever climbed that mountain. There would have been no way because I would not have been able to be as active as I was leading up to climbing the mountain and training for it. Um, Cause I just didn't feel good.
0: Well, and what's a, even, you know, we could go to another level that if you and David didn't have the powerful relationship that you've created together, that would be a whole nother set of things. You know, when when we're up to things as people, really big things. You know, obviously the time gets in the way, the money gets in the way, but our relationships can get in the way, our well being can get in the way, and it seems like for you, one of the things that really supported you in Mount Kilimanjaro, but also is supporting you and David in this vision of really changing education is that you guys take care of each other, you take care of yourselves, and you've built a really, really like magical and powerful intentional relationship to make all that possible.
1: Yeah, and I know that that taking care of yourself is really important. And when I I can, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to tell you this story over the phone, but when I was in um, undergrad, when I was in college, I saw this therapist for a while and because I was having a hard time with a lot of different things and she kind of equated relationships to being like a um, like a you and if you could put your fingers in the shape of a you that when you have a relationship and every and you become you, know, you put your fingers together touch your Um, pointer fingers and your thumbs together and that makes a circle okay so you're a whole circle then when you're with someone and you're one of that you and the other person is the other you and now you're a circle if you break up you're not a complete person anymore there's no circle anymore so it's really important for people to figure out who they are and become complete and whole circles and then when they're in a relationship they can link up which if you do it really fast, you can link your fingers together and have two circles linked. Um, and then you, when you pull apart, if you do, you're still a complete person. And that really was instrumental to me in finding a relationship where I could be that way, where that person didn't want to like take over my life or I didn't want to take over their life or change them or them change me and um it's i'm really lucky that i was able to find that with david because we really can pull apart and still be our own people um but then we're even stronger when we come together and can form that link
0: i love how you described that i didn't know where you were going when you were like starting and i was like in my head, I'll be super honest in my head. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like where she's going with this. And when then when you got to the middle, I was like, oh my God, this makes sense. And then you got to the end and I was like, oh, that was so perfect. It makes total sense and it's really powerful. I, I think often that the thing that most of us don't realize, and, and I think people like you and David are really lucky that you guys have seen this, is we want to be with people who want us but don't need us. They, yeah. cho- they choose us but they're not reliant or dependent on us. We are an add to their life, not a necessity. not like a not like oxygen, but it's a pl- right. it's, they're they're actually a plus one. You know, they make us bigger and better, but we're actually yep. whole on our own. Thanks for saying that in a cool way. Um, I want to I want to wrap up with some things you can leave people listening that are listening to this. Sure. On what you've gone through um, in climbing the mountain, in living a life with fibromyalgia, in powerfully creating an amazing relationship and taking on this huge goal with your husband, if you had to give a gift to people listening that was like, hey, how can they more powerfully move towards the things and create the things in their life that they want? What would you tell them?
1: Um, I think I would just you know, reiterate what I've already said is that don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Um, That uncomfortableness does not equal pain and that being uncomfortable can really give you a lot of power. Um, I think there's a lot going on right now where we can put ourselves in uncomfortable situations um, out in the world to make a difference in what's happening um, in our culture, in our world. And then also just, you know, personally, like, if you are having a problem with your boss or you're having a problem with your husband or your daughter or your father, whoever it might be, like don't be afraid to be uncomfortable because it could really you know, make a difference in your happiness later on. If you can speak up, if you can share your thoughts, if you can um, push yourself through the pain or through that wall squat or whatever it is, if you're training for something – Um, that, you know, you'll feel better most likely afterwards.
0: Earlier today, somebody said to me, um, oh man, I thought I had it. I thought I wrote it down and I think I I didn't write it down correctly. But it was something to the effect of like to stand in our power, but not comfortably. But it was this kind of the same idea of that when we are, are at our best and when we're seeking like our, our, the, the greatest heights of anything that we can do, we can, we are at our most powerful moments, the also likely the most uncomfortable. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah. Great.
1: Sure. And then I was also thinking about something else as you were talking, and just also to let people know that, um, that, there are people in the world, and through traveling to Tanzania and seeing these people that live there you know, a, a second time, there are people in the world who don't have access to water. They don't have access to a, a job. They don't have access to the internet. They can't call their mom. They can't go to their friend's house for a beer or a glass of wine to feel better. There are so many people in the world that have so, so, so very little, and if you can Wrap your mind around that and put yourself in that place for one second and be grateful for what you do have that that will help immensely as well. like if you can just if you can be grateful for everything that you have, then you know you're not so worried or sad about what you don't have yet.
0: I love it I'm uh, gratitude practice is is I think one of the most foundational foundational components of really loving your life and finding joy in your life. Thanks for that. Uh sure. I want to um hey thanks. You know it's funny we got to talk David got to be in spoken about in this and obviously he's a big part of your life. But thanks so much for wanting to do this. Sure. Thanks so much for sharing, you know, your your life, the challenges, the the good things, the the more maybe not so good things or challenging things. I remember it's funny I never who would have ever thought we would be having this conversation. I remember meeting you got it. It must be it must have been like what 15 it was like 10 to 15 12 years, years ago. ago. <laughs> yeah, in in a restaurant that I was bartending and working at and David was a regular and yep. I remember clearly him telling me about this woman who was coming I think I think you were living in Chicago at the time, right? And you were coming to visit. Yep. And I remember, yep. like, I love David. I mean, I love David from almost the beginning. He's just an amazing human being. And I remember, like, there was this, like, woman coming in. And and it 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 was, like, kind of, you guys were kind of perfect right from, from the beginning. And so it's really cool to see that even, like, what, what, 10, 15 years later, whatever it is, that you guys have continued to be on the train powerfully going forward Uh, I love that you guys have made this life together. It's also very cool that I got to be at your wedding in Chicago. Um, But so much just happened. These are up to amazing things. You guys, I have no doubt that you guys will succeed because I just know you guys. And I think you'll keep playing until you do. There's no way. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's, that's one foot in front of the other. That's what we're doing, you know. I, my friend who I climbed the mountain with is now my friend that I climbed the mountain with. So I'm going to do a little shout out to her and end this up with the. She was having a really hard time at the end, like I said, getting to the top. And she had shared with me that when she <laughs> was wanting to quit, she would just count to four mm-hmm. one, two, three, four. And she would start again. One, two, three, four. And so we're all climbing up to the um the first summit that you get to on kilimanjaro the whole team is climbing up and she's leading us because she's she was the um the slowest of us so we wanted to put her in front so everyone was at her pace And everyone was cheering her on and counting, you know, for her. Just keep going. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. And I yelled to everyone. No, no, no. Tessa only counts to four. You have to start over after four. Keep going. So if you can only count to four and you have to start over, that's okay. Because you can still get to the top. You will still get there.
0: So just count to four. I love that. Thanks for that. It's so simple. Sometimes in life, the most difficult things are, hey, Thanks again for being here. I love that you reached out and that we connected over this and that you have a story that I I never knew until we actually talked about it. Yeah,
1: thank you, Alex. I really enjoyed talking with you today and sharing the story. And hopefully um, I've impacted a couple people out there. And maybe if anybody has any questions about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and how to do that and where to go, I feel free to send them my way. I'm happy to talk about it directly with people.
0: How would you like people if people want to reach out to you for that? And tell me not only that, how can they like find you either through email or social media, but also how can they learn more about the foundation if they want to do that?
1: Um, so, the foundation website is David L. Hoyt. Don't forget the L, David L. Hoyt uh, Foundation.org. And you can connect with us on there. My email is right on the website. It's Claire at David L. Hoyt and it's spelled C L A I R E. Um, I'm on um, Instagram and that handle I think is C Mary 32. So, the letter C, the name Mary, and the number 32. Um, And I've got pictures of Kilimanjaro climbing on there, and I follow a couple other people that I can send your way that have done it. Um, I would say if you're interested in climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, Climb Keeley was my um, tour that I went with, and they were amazing. James is a great guide. He'll get you up to the top um, for sure.
0: Awesome. And I'll throw all that in the show notes for people so they can link to it if they want to connect with you. Claire, thanks so much. Thank you for checking out the Dream Mason podcast. Whether you're a longtime listener or just taking a peek, I am grateful to have you here. Please tag a friend who needs to hear this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and give us a review if you like what you heard. If you want more, you can follow me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at Remember, you are a Dream Mason because your dreams don't build themselves.